The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Too much concentration on our smartphones is definitely damaging our health. And the reason for that is that uh, it tends to damage our relationships. Uh, there is even a word for that. It's called fubbing. And if you haven't heard that, fubbing is, comes from phone and snubbing. And basically it means, you know, you, you've seen those people. They are sitting in a restaurant around the table, a whole family, and everybody, instead of talking, they are all looking at, at their phones. Greetings, scribes. You are tuned into The Writer Files, and I am still your host, Kelton Reed, sending you positivity and prolificness, as usual, during these bizarro times. This week, the lauded science journalist and author, Marta Zaraska, spoke with me about the impacts of loneliness on your health, why we need to think about aging earlier, and how smartphones ruin relationships. Marta is the author of two nonfiction books, two literary novels, and she's contributed to two travel books published by National Geographic. Her latest is Growing Young, How Friendship, Optimism, and Kindness Can Help You Live to 100. And it's a smart, research-driven case for why optimism, kindness, and strong social networks will help you live to be a centenarian. Best-selling author Adam Grant said of the book, If you care about the length and quality of your life, but can't stomach yet another diet or workout routine, this book is for you. Marta has been published in the Washington Post, Scientific American, New Scientist, The Atlantic, Discover, and her articles and books have been turned into TV programs around the globe. In this file, Marta and I discussed how she distills the essence of hundreds of research papers into highly readable prose, why social isolation is so abnormal for humans, and the double-edged sword of the pandemic, how retirement can have negative side effects, and why introverted writers really need only one good friend. A quick note on this one, it was recorded at the end of June 2020. Stay safe and stay sane out there as best you can. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published, and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Thank you so much for taking time today to wrap with us about all things writing and this fantastic uh, latest book. Um, how are you surviving there? I understand you're across the pond in France. 
Yes, the th- things were pretty tough um, the last few months. Uh, we, especially that I, where I live, we actually were at the very epicenter of the pandemic. So we were on a lockdown for 56 days when we were basically not allowed to leave our houses. We even had a sp- had to have a special permission to step out of the front doors, basically. Um, but things are much better now, so uh, it's all it's all coming back to the new normal, how they call it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk about the new normal, and um, I know there's lots to talk about related to growing young. This fantastic um, second uh, nonfiction book of yours that recently came out but yeah talk a little bit about your background as a um as a science journalist and you know i understand that you've written all types of things you know you're, you've written a couple novels and of course you've contributed to uh some travel books um lots of different um, science publications and and periodicals but talk a little bit about kind of your history and your background maybe the cliff's notes of how you became a science journalist um and even uh, how you kind of define it, because I understand, you know, uh, lots of different, there are lots of different classifications of, of science journalism, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so uh, I'm a lawyer by education, which is, <laughs> some people find it weird, but I actually often say that being a, a lawyer makes me a better science journalist because uh, having this education as a lawyer you know, we are trained to look for holes in an argument. So look for things that don't add up, look for weak spots and also try to see uh, things from different sides, which I think is extremely important when you are doing science journalism. So in a very weird way, my legal training is helping me really a lot in my work as a science journalist. But at the same time, I've worked as a journalist since I was 16. So uh, I worked as a journalist all the way through law school as well. And um, I started off as a foreign correspondent specializing in African affairs. And uh, I traveled a lot to Africa and to some war-torn places as well. Um, And at some point... um, I just decided that uh, I was starting a family and I just decided that this kind of lifestyle was not not something I could continue doing. And uh, that's why I decided to switch to science journalism. But that's that's been already uh, well over a decade now. So and as you can probably hear, I have an accent um, in case you're wondering. It's a Polish accent. I was born in Poland and uh, I I grew up in Poland, I studied law in Poland, and I started as a journalist in Poland. So I only started speaking English uh, uh, really in my 20s and um, switched to writing in English when I was 28, I think. Um, So yeah, that's the long story short. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. And you've had some some great successes. And and of course, I want to talk about Growing Young, this uh, fantastic book. Um, the subtitle, How Friendship, Optimism, and Kindness Can Help You Live to 100. And um, one of our uh, other previous guests on The Writer Files, Dan Butner, had some very nice things to say about it. Of course, he's the author okay. of, yeah, The Blue Zones. Um, he said, um, a lifestyle book that transcends diet and exercise as solutions for living longer. And of course, if you've read The Blue Zones, you know, kind of the extensive research that went into those interesting findings about those kind of uh, seven different 
areas of the world where um, centenarians kind of are most prevalent, right? But let's talk about your work. And you put a lot of work, a lot of research, and dozens of, of interviews out in the field, all different types of experts and scientists. And, and so talk a little bit about how the how Growing Young came together. And um, yeah, I want to get into some of these fascinating findings. And, and I'm sure a lot of writers are going to be interested in this one because there's just some really, really interesting uh, research here. So basically what I do uh, generally as a science writer, I, 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 use, I like to call it I, that I translate science academic papers into common language. Uh, so in my daily job uh, as a science journalist, I write mostly for Scientific American, um, for the Washington Post, New Scientists to Discover. And it basically entails reading hundreds and hundreds of research papers um, um, in fields like molecular biochemistry, uh, neurology, anthropology, anything possible basically connected to biology in any way. And uh, and uh, and then, of course, talking to the authors of those studies and trying to understand what they really meant and how how to translate it the best, the easiest, and in the most fun way for the readers to really understand what the science is saying. So this is what my job entails. And um, and I was always interested in nutrition, also for personal reasons. I'm quite trying to live quite healthily and eat healthy and exercise and so on. And uh, as I was reading those hundreds and hundreds of research papers, and I started coming across more and more ones that were showing me a very different perspective, um, that maybe diet and exercise are not the only things that matter, and maybe even that they matter less than other things to, uh, to our longevity and health, less than things such as friendship or kindness or, or committed romantic relationship, for example. So I just started reading more and more and investigating, uh, this area, uh, of, of research and, um, and so what I did discover completely shattered my beliefs because it did show me that indeed and diet and, and exercise uh, are not as important as we tend to think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in digging into the the book and the research, um, it would seem that we're, yeah, as you put it, we're kind of fixating on the wrong things about health. And although some of those things are important, there are th- there are findings that are far more interesting and important regarding kind of the mind body connection, and I'm fascinated by a lot of that. Those findings, especially you know, as you kind of explain, it's not it's not it's not a kind of a new agey woo woo thing, right? This mind body connection is a, a pretty well established. And now, as we dig more into, as you put it, kind of neurology and, and neurobiology, neuroscience, it's far more obvious that these things are are pretty critical especially right now you know when you think about it we evolved as social apes so it does make perfect sense that our bodies are made to be with others and when we are outside of our tribe 
for whatever reason. In the past, it meant being basically ostracized out of your tribe and made to wander alone on the savanna. These days, it can mean uh, socially distancing uh, on your own in your apartment. But when we are isolated, this is not a normal, normal state for a social ape. Uh, whom we are. So, uh, so our all this kind of stress uh, systems in our body activate uh, in a way that it's detrimental to our health uh, in modern times. Right, right. So we're experiencing right now kind of a mental health crisis here in in um, the U.S. And I'm sure that this is something that's happening all over the world. Although I think you know we, we're far more. Um, susceptible to some kind of a, a mental health crisis, given all the other crises that we're facing. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, you, you read daily about kind of, as we talk about very often on the show, kind of the the um, concentric circles of crises that are happening around the globe, specifically, and I'm not necessarily referring to political stuff, but that's happening everywhere. Um, of course, we're dealing with kind of climate crisis and and um social stuff and i mean how could one not be experiencing a little bit more stress than normal right i mean 2020 is definitely a stressful year and uh, and the fact that we cannot rely on things that are best for us uh, to counteract when we are stressed so exactly other people uh, even physical contact you know research shows that things like hugs for example or just simple touch can really elevate stress and we are not allowed to do that these days you know we're not allowed to hug our friends and uh, and uh, this definitely makes things much much worse because you know there are just so many things that happen when we experience just holding hands, for example, or just hugging someone we like. The, the, these are things that are tremendously important for us, just like, you know, other apes, uh, chimps, uh, for example, they groom each other and this causes the release of endorphins. The same thing happens to us and we, we need those hormones. Yeah, yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. 
Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, I think um, that the findings here kind of speak for themselves. And obviously, um, this is a great time to be exploring these ideas. I think, um, you know, the idea that loneliness is bad for your health. And, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about that. But, but um, you know, I think you ask a lot of great questions. And I think, of course, we'll point at... Um, the website for the book, which is uh, growingyoungthebook.com. I'll drop the uh, I'll drop the link in the show notes, and um, there's also some resources there. But I think, yeah, finding the book uh, right now is pretty pretty pressing because obviously you've been working on this research for quite a while. And pre-pandemic, um, talk a little bit about some of the things that surprised you most, and then let's talk about kind of uh now that we're firmly entrenched in in the uh new normal like how we can uh apply some of these things because this is really really important stuff i think so what what really surprised me was the degree to which our social lives matter for our health I had some inkling that these things may be important you know we know about stress we know about maybe some of us know a little bit about loneliness being bad for health but you know the extent to which those things matter is so for example having a committed romantic relationship can mean can lower your risk of premature de- death by about 49% which is absolutely astounding as co- considering that yeah. a healthy diet or exercise can lower it by 20 or 30%. So you know the numbers are really really incredible here and this was what really surprised me how much it matters those things much much more than I ever imagined. As I said, you know that the findings uh, as you, as you mentioned that number one, uh, that committed romantic relationship, pretty big, I think. And especially, you know, as we're trying to figure out ways to safely <laughs> reintegrate our social lives, what does it mean? I mean, uh, how, you know, how, what are we looking at for the future? How, cause you know, you've talked about a little bit about how social distancing is actually probably bad for your heart, right? It is, you know, people who are socially isolated, uh, they are even three times more likely to die prematurely. This is really scary. And, uh, you know, the social isolation makes you even more prone to viruses, ironically. So there was this one amazing experiment when the researchers invited volunteers into their lab and they basically put cold viruses into their noses. Uh, And those people who, before that experiment, they reported being most lonely, were actually much more likely to fall sick with the virus than those who didn't feel alone, who had friends and felt included. So, uh, I know. So, so of course, we have to be socially distancing these days because the epidemic is real and uh, it's very important not to spread the virus. But on the other hand, being feeling isolated and feeling lonely is acting against us, against our immune system. So we really have to find other ways to still feel connected and uh, 
find meaning in all of this. Gosh, yeah. Let's talk some about the pandemic, um, how we can continue to stay healthy, boost our immune systems at the same time as kind of cure this uh, this loneliness. Because, you know, it's like, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? People want to get back out there. They're itching to get into a social situation. But then, of course, exposing yourself to the novel coronavirus, which none of us have really experienced before, could put you in <laughs> grave danger. So it's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there are some ways. So definitely put more effort. If you live with other people already, you know, put more effort into really cherishing these relationships. Uh, if you have a spouse or children at home, hug them more often, look them deeply into their eyes, you know, don't, don't spend all your time on your phone, like really, really cherish these relationships. And uh, as for connecting with people outside, uh, for example, it's much more important to call than to text. So uh, when you text people, uh, you'll get much less oxytocin uh, release than when you actually hear their voice. So, so there are some things that do matter and make a difference. But uh, of course, you know, it is very, very challenging these days uh, to to find that uh, that connection. But even just thinking about other people, you know, just um, uh, how you can maybe help some of your neighbors, this kind of kindness can also help mm. you and, and them as well. Of course, you know, you you can leave a home cooked meal at your elderly neighbor's doorstep, for instance, without ever ever coming into contact but it still is a kind act and something that really makes you connected and uh, promotes the community spirit yeah i love that idea and i think one of one of your other ideas was um yeah for exercise instead of you know just working out in your home gym by yourself um go go mow your elderly neighbor's lawn um which i thought was a a really good idea very- Sorry. And it's also very coronavirus safe. You know, you don't have to ever see them and you can still have the exercise, be kind, you know, feel, make the, your neighborhood a little bit better place and um, everybody benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, some of these findings are pretty, pretty astounding. And of course, uh, living and being, you know, free of um, disease while into your to your old age is, is really important. It's something that we should start thinking about now, right? And there, there was something you mentioned about kind of beginning to establish that mind-body awareness earlier. You know, talk a little bit about that, maybe maybe kind of your, what you found out about meditation or, you know, some of those um, interesting, interesting findings. Yeah, so we often, you know, don't think about aging uh, until we are approaching retirement. I myself, am, I am still far from retire- retirement. And uh, and uh, yet we should be thinking about aging early on because we start aging from the day we are born. Actually, even before we are born, we are already aging. Uh, our telomeres, so those uh, protective caps at the end of our chromosome uh, that uh, are one of the biomarkers of aging, actually shorten the fastest in our first four years of life. Uh, hmm. So so really aging is not just for people who are in their 60s, 70s, or 80s. We should really be thinking about it early. And you can see biological differences when you try to 
measure how aged biologically people are already when you're in your 30s and 40s, and that can be a decade difference between one person and another. So, um, so it really matters to start early and uh, and not last moment. Um, and um, yeah, and there are lots of things, you know, of course, things like meditation or, or yoga or just simple mindfulness uh, really, really matter as well. And they can uh, prolong your telomeres. Uh, so again, those protective cups at the ends of your chromosomes. And studies show that people who meditate a lot, uh, they even blink slower and hmm. breathe differently, which actually are all measures of good health, which is absolutely fascinating to me that, you know, now I, whenever I see someone who meditates a lot, I cannot stop myself from checking if they blink differently. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, there are some very real changes also on the level of the brain activation, you know, when they, the scientists um, scan brains of people who meditate a lot, they can actually see differences on the level of their brains. That's pretty interesting. And of course, you know, even a, a small amount of meditation daily can really, really um, lower those stress levels. And, you know, I think uh, when I think about, you know, you going just circling back to the retirement issue, you know, here I hear, you know, people in my age group talking about saving for retirement and, prepare, you know, and kind of like putting all this time and energy into retirement. And the way I think about it is that I, don't, I can't really imagine like picking a date to just, you know, what sit on a, a you know, a bark lounger on a, on a cruise ship, uh, until I die. <laughs> that sounds terrible, but let's talk about a little bit about like why, how retirement could actually be worse for your health and shorten, uh, that longevity scale. It actually can. I mean, it really depends how you approach your retirement, but definitely if your retirement goal is to do absolutely nothing and spend the rest of your days on your couch watching Netflix, uh, then it is a very bad idea because uh, <laughs> there is quite a lot of research showing that it does damage health and people who do that, they live shorter and struggle with lots of health problems as a result. Uh, because what we need basically is some kind of purpose in life, some kind of goal to strive something to a reason to wake up in the morning and if you if you lose that because for many people work is that thing if they lose that and they don't have anything else to replace it with uh then they really struggle but of course you can you don't have to work to to have it you can volunteer you can uh being in, in engaged in your community uh you can have some other reasons to wake up in the morning but uh, usually netflix is not that yeah yeah Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, um, you know, I've had quite a few productivity experts on the show. And the new, you know, it seems kind of like the new understanding of this um, unfortunate uh, kind of cult of busyness that we're firmly entrenched in presently is getting a lot of backlash, you know, and I think we're, we're examining a lot of the um, effects of our kind of always on workaholic, multi, you know, constantly multi, multitasking culture um, is getting, you know, kind of looked at under a microscope right now, especially as everyone has, um, you know, begun to do more work from home and, and telecommuting and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about how that could actually improve, you know, our overall health in the future. And, and, you know, I mean, you, t- you, you've mentioned, um, kind of how smartphones can, can do, de- you know, I mean, again, this cult of busyness is kind of, is obviously not good for our health. Uh, so this reexamination is, is pretty critical right now, isn't it? Certainly it is, you know, the, there is so much data showing that too much concentration on our smartphones is definitely damaging our health. And the reason for that is that uh, it tends to damage our relationships. Uh, there is even a word for that. It's called fubbing. And if you haven't heard that, fubbing is comes from phone and snubbing. And basically mm. it means, you know, you, you've seen those people. They are sitting in a restaurant around the table, a whole family, and everybody, instead of talking, they are all looking at at their phones. So they are fubbing each other mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so ignoring to, to instead look at their phones. And it just basically damages relationships. So it's enough to just put your phone on the table, uh, not even look at it, just have the phone there. And automatically the person with whom you are will judge the quality of the conversation as much worse just because the phone is there. Uh, so so it really does impact uh, the way we perceive our relationships and the quality of our relationships does matter for our health. Once again, because we are those social apes who have all this hormonals, hormonal and uh, systems and all these nerves and uh, and um, make those relationships so much important to how we function. Well, um, there's so many important messages in uh, Growing Young. I will point at um, the website again, growingyoungthebook.com. I'll drop the link there to your homepage as well, zaroska.com. And uh, yeah, at growingyoungthebook.com, there are uh, resources that you can tap into uh, for each chapter of the book, which I thought were very helpful and uh, lots of great stuff there. But uh, yeah, maybe before we wrap up with your kind of uh, advice to your fellow scribes on how to just uh, keep going, what are you working on now? Are you um, just uh, kind of focused on promoting the book or do you have some other projects in the hopper right now? I mean, I'm supposed to be finishing the proposal for my third book, but uh, I'm so busy right now with uh, the book promotion for Growing Young that I do not have time to finish, but uh, I'm expecting to start working on it uh, again within two or three weeks. Uh, Certainly my agent is expecting that, so uh, I should get to it. Um, Also, things were quite crazy here because with schools being closed, I had to work 
full-time and homeschool full-time, which was uh, extremely challenging, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but I guess we are all struggling for the weird coronavirus times, so um, it's taking a toll on the on, on the work as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, growing young, how friendship, optimism, and kindness can help you live to 100 is a smart, research-driven case for why optimism, kindness, and strong social networks will help us live uh, longer. And um, yeah, talk uh, a little bit about um, how how uh, how we can keep going, how we can how writers can uh, yeah just keep the faith in this very strange time and and uh, yeah keep keep the ink flowing. I mean, I think for us writers, in a way. We have it easier, I'd say, also to live longer because I do believe that in our work, it's easier, it may be easier for us to find meaning. And meaning in life is one of the most important things you can have for good health and longevity. Uh, this is something the Japanese called ikigai. Uh, so this is this famous uh reason to live. And we can find it, you know, we can in the things we write about or knowing that we are spreading ideas that are worth spreading. So I think that we are lucky here uh, that things can be better for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do like how you open your acknowledgments mentioning that, um, yeah, it, it, being a writer is often socially isolating, but um, especially when you're doing research um based and research driven stuff it doesn't have to be right you're kind of you're kind of creating these these stories with um yeah with these other uh experts that you've tapped i mean i had definitely tons of fun sometimes writing this book you know also uh, traveling for research i was doing things like catching wild mice with researchers uh, around Oxford, uh, which was definitely uh, extremely exciting. And uh, I was doing experiments of myself on myself with other researchers from University College London and uh, traveling in Japan and meeting uh, centenarians there. So I really did have also quite a lot of nice social contact and um, just fun adventures, basically. Um, but there was also a lot of sitting by myself in my office <laughs> and reading one paper after another, after another, after another, a lot of them very difficult to read. And and um, so, yeah, there is definitely this kind of uh, part when you are just alone in your office, but it's important to remember to, uh, to stop at some point and get your social life uh, going, uh, both for your mental health and for your physical health. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. I'm looking at a picture of those mice now. They're very cute. <laughs> um, of course that's on the website and the resources for the book. I'll drop that in the show notes. And, um, yeah, thanks again for taking the time. This is a great reminder, I think for everybody, but, um, of course, um, these are things that, uh, we definitely should be thinking about. And I, I think on one side note, I was just going to ask you, about uh, introverts and uh, mm -hmm. kind of that social piece. So, I mean, it's in terms of friendship and uh, introverts and extroverts, the most important thing is that you feel that you have good social connections and that there are people on whom you can rely. And it can be just one best friend who you know is always there for you. Or if you're an extrovert, you may need seven best friends 
there is no better or worse number here as long as you feel that your needs are made and if for example you fall sick there will be someone for you uh this is all you need this kind of feeling of inclusion and also that there are people for whom you can be there so that you are needed as well and uh, as long as those things happen for you then then you will be fine i love it well thank you again for taking the time stay safe out there and uh ho hopefully you live to 117. <laughs> Not 18. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Have a wonderful evening and thank you again for uh, doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me, Keldon. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>